Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, um, I'm going to read just uh, one verse to begin with. And the message is, and the title is, The Forgotten Man That God Remembered. The Forgotten Man That God Remembered. And we're turning to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read just the first verse, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can listen in to this great verse, Exodus 3 and verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. I want to read this verse again. If you listen to it carefully, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. You know, sometimes in the Bible, we'll read a verse. And just when we read that verse, we know that there is a whole story, there's a whole background behind that one line. When we read this tonight and we simply see that Moses, he was a keeper of sheep. And then we also read that he led the flock to the backside of the desert. To the very farthest point into that desert, Moses led that little flock. And just when we stop there for a moment and we ponder those few words, he led the flock to the backside of the of the desert. And when you consider that for a moment, there's so much behind what it is saying. There's so much beyond that which meets the eye. And, you know, in life, that is very much what life is like. You know, we meet so many people, we rub shoulders with people, we see people on a daily basis, and so often we walk by them, but behind that face, Behind that look, there's a whole story that is untold. And very much here as we read this tonight, that Moses just led that flock to the backside of the desert. There's a whole story behind that that's worth us looking at tonight. You see, there's a story behind every face, every life. And often when we meet someone, perhaps how they react or how they interact with us, doesn't really tell the full story or what has happened into that life. And what we're really looking at here is a man called Moses. And really, he's a forgotten man. He's he's keeping the flock. He's working daily. He's doing what he needs to do. But in real terms, if you don't know the story very well, but Moses is basically a forgotten man. He's forgotten by his own people. He's forgotten by the people he grew up with. He's forgotten by the society that he came from. And here we find him at, at, at this age of his life that he's largely been forgotten because we know that he's been in this wilderness for some 40 years. And so the memory of Moses for most people has gone. You know, he had left that place of where he was brought up. He'd left his community of which he was a part of 40 years previous to this. And now 
He's away at the backside of the desert. And as, as far as man is concerned, as far as the people that knew Moses, as far as his friends that grew up with him as a young boy, and even perhaps as he became a young man, the, the people that he, that he hung out with or the people that he interacted with as he grew up in life, we know the story so well, but for those who don't know it, we now find Moses later on in years that all those people that he once interacted with, they no longer remember Moses. He really is, he really is the forgotten man. And behind this story of the man at the backside of the desert, behind this face, behind this one verse that he was at the backside of the desert, there's a whole history there's a whole history, a whole life that has been lived that maybe now the people that he mingles with the odd time or the shepherds that he would bump into in the desert, they don't know anything about him. They don't know his background. They don't know where he came from. They don't know the life he lived. They don't know the troubles he had. They don't know the things that have happened to him. He's just another man like everyone else walking through life. Moses had a, a particular interest in life. We know his birth was was profound because at that time, all the Hebrew children that were being born in, in Egypt, the, the firstborn were being slaughtered. And we know that Moses was preserved supernaturally by his mom. His mom gathered that little baby out of, and, and, and hid him in the bulrushes in a little Moses basket. The first time you ever hear of a Moses basket, that's where it comes from. Those Moses basket. Moses was the one that birthed that whole concept of a Moses basket. And he's hid in those bulrushes. And he's protected. He's divinely preserved by God. That even from a baby, the hand of the Lord was upon his life. And you know, it reminds us of so many people, especially in our country and in the United Kingdom and in this land of ours. So many people have had the privilege of being brought into a Christian home, have been sent to Sunday school, have been sent to the house of God, have been sent to children's clubs, have been brought to the house of God, have been taught the ways of God. There's been a, they've been preserved by the good hand of God, by the, by where they've been born and what they've been born into. And often we don't appreciate that. And often we don't think about that. It takes maybe sometimes many years before we grasp the full appreciation of where we're born and what we're born into. And so early in his life, we see that the hand of the Lord was upon him as she hid this baby in the bulrushes. And supernaturally, by the providential hand of God, he's preserved and brought into the Pharaoh's palace. Now, he's a Hebrew, but he's brought up, he's brought up amongst the Egyptians in the palace. And so was life is supernaturally preserved. But something happened to Moses. Something happened to the man that we're talking about tonight. Remember, he's the forgotten man. Something at the age of 40, the Bible tells us, happened to him. In Acts 7.23, it says, when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Something happened in the life. There was an experience that Moses had at the age of 40. He knew he didn't belong to that world of the Egyptians. There was something in his life that he knew that he wanted to go and visit his people, the Hebrew people. And so he went to visit them and he seen one of them that was, was being mistreated by the Egyptians. And Moses, we know, we're told at that age, he was a man that was mighty in word and deed. He was a great man, but Moses interacted with 
with what was taking place. And he killed, he killed an Egyptian soldier. And so at that point, his, his own brethren turn on to him. And they challenge him. And in that moment, just to very quickly go through it, Moses realizes that he's committed a great sin. And he flees into the wilderness, into the desert at the age of 40. For 40 years now he's been in the wilderness. He's went and got married. He's had children. And now he's working for his father-in-law. And he's at the backside of the desert. Do you know what this reminds us of? There's so many today that have had an experience or an encounter with God in their life. They don't go to church today. They're not really seen amongst the people of God. But at one point in their life, maybe when they were younger, maybe when they were a teenager, maybe when they were in Sunday school, maybe in their 20s or 30s, I don't know. But they've had an experience with the Lord. Like Moses, it says, it came into his heart. And so there was an experience. They wanted something to be part of God's people. And so they, they attempted to be part of that. And the Bible talks about that parable of the sower. The seed fell either in four different types of ground. And some, some went on with the Lord strong for a time. They sprung up and they were strong. But then, you know, it talks about the curse of the world came in. It talks about the heart. The ground wasn't good ground. And so the seed died. And so they were choked. And so there was a time that there was, there was an interaction with God and there was a walk with God. But then things happen in life, just like Moses. It came into his heart. He wanted to be amongst the people of God. He wanted to do the service of God, but he went about it completely the wrong way. We see he falls into sin. And because of his failure and because of his shame, he runs into the wilderness. And there he is for 40 years. And how many people do we know, and maybe someone is listening tonight, that you once walked with the Lord, you once served the Lord. Perhaps there's someone tonight that behind that face that maybe the world that you move in now that nobody knows that once, once in your life you, you once served the Lord. Maybe you were a Sunday school teacher. Maybe, maybe even you stood at doors of churches. Maybe you were in outreaches. Maybe you were in Bible classes. Maybe even you're in leadership in a church at one point. But today, that seems so long ago. Something happened. Something took place in that life. Maybe you're like Peter tonight. Peter who denied the Lord three times, the, the disciple of the Lord. And you remember on that third time and the, and, the, and the cock crowed and the Lord turned and looked at him. And Peter looked at the Lord and he realized the words of Christ has been fulfilled. And he went out and he wept bitterly because he denied him. Maybe there's a, there's a point that you were walking with the Lord, but then you denied the Lord and, and you feel the Lord. Maybe something that has happened to you in, in church life would happen so regularly is that you've been wounded in the house of your friends. Maybe it was a wound or a hurt that took place in God's house amongst God's people. And these things happen. They shouldn't happen, but they do happen. And because of that hurt, you're not able, you're not able to go on and you flee. Or maybe there's someone tonight that's listening and you, you came and you, and you wanted to get saved and you believed it was the right thing to get saved and, and you give your heart to Jesus and you put your hand up and you said the prayer and you done everything that was, what was asked of you on the outward. But, but in some ways within a short space of time, it fell away and become nothing and you were, you're back doing the same things you've always done. Do you know, there's so many today that, 
have said these words, it doesn't work for me. It won't work for me. I've tried it and it didn't work. But you know, friend, every time there's true repentance, that's there's a true turning away from sin. There's a true repentive heart. There's true conversion. And there's so many false conversions today. So many people that have tried, but they've never been brought to the place of true repentance where they turn away from the sin that they once loved and truly give their lives to Jesus and truly be born again. And when there's true repentance, there's true conversion. And you say, well, how can I live the life? He gives you the power, the power, the power to be the, to become the sons of God, to live for Jesus. And so there's so many that say it didn't work, but there's never been true repentance, friend. He never really turned away from sin. And maybe there's some tonight just like the prodigal, brought up in it in the right way. But the lures of sin, the deceitfulness of sin, the lusts of the flesh, and you turned away into that world. Maybe tonight you've come to the end of that road because it will happen. You know, the pleasures of sin that last for a season. In other words, it's very difficult to tell a man who loves his sin, you must repent and turn to Jesus because at that moment he's being deceived by his own sin. But But you must repent. But there comes a time when the sin's no longer pleasurable. When sin, when it is finished, it'll bring death. And here's Moses, he's in that wilderness. This is what it's like when you when you once walked and then you turn away. This is what it's like. He's now in a wilderness, and a wilderness speaks of a dry place because you don't find what you once had. The wilderness speaks of a barren place. On the outward, everything might look the best, but really inside that you're empty and you're dry. The wilderness speaks of an isolated place. You might be amongst the crowd, but you're the loneliest person in that place. The wilderness speaks of being exposed to the wild beast, the the enemy of our soul, who goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The wilderness speaks of that deep emptiness and no peace in our hearts. We might be the, 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 the center of the party. We might be enjoying all the crack. We might be enjoying and, and entering into all the fun. But you know, you know that in the depths of your heart, all of it is empty. It's worthless. It means nothing. That's the wilderness. Here Moses is a forgotten man. Hunted probably by his own failure. Abandoned by his own people. And here we see this lonely figure of a man drawn into a way into a world of sin and, and, and misery. And here he is at the backside of the desert. Do you know what I love about the Bible? Number one, it's true. But number two, it's so open. It's so honest. It brings the revelation of real men. That, exp- that the Bible brings forth the real and reality of life. That these men went through some of the greatest men in this book. Experienced some of the most downward uh, disappointments in their life. And it's honest in what it says. You think of Elijah. Even after that great revival that he experienced in his life in 1 Kings 19 and 9. We see that he's running You know, he's running from the enemy. He's running as fast as he can to get away. He gets down under a juniper tree and he requested of the Lord. This is what he said. Oh Lord, take now my life for I am not better than my father's. In other words, he was saying, I I just don't want to go on any longer. 
This is Elijah, the great prophet of the Lord. The book is open and the book is honest and his life is led before us. He's so far out into the wilderness. Maybe there's someone that's listening tonight and you're right, right into the backside of the desert and you're like Elijah. Take away my life. It's better that I don't live. Or maybe it's like David. David, Psalm 13. David in the circumstance that he was in, we're not sure exactly, but this is what he said. He said in Psalm 13, How long will you forget me? He's speaking to God. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will I hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Here's the cry of David, the man, the Bible says, that was after the very heart of God. And here he finds himself in a circumstance where he feels that God has forgotten him. Here's Moses, the forgotten man, at the backside of the desert. Is that you, friend, tonight? Is that you, maybe a man or a woman, but you once walked with God, you once lived for God, and something's happened in your life, but now you flee and you're in the backside of the desert, and it seems as though that you're the forgotten man or the forgotten woman. Maybe there's been a cry from your heart because, you know, I know this. I know this for a truth that maybe there's been a cry from your heart when, when all the friends are gone and when all the activities are away. But when you're on your own, that's reality. When you're on your own, it's reality. When you deface yourself, it's reality. You know, you're not the big man anymore. You're not the big woman anymore. Here's the reality. You, you have to face the emptiness. You have to face the barrenness. You have to face the dryness. You have to face the reality of, of that empty life and the, and the powers of darkness and the torture of the mind. You have to face the reality. And maybe it's the cry like David, Lord, have you forgotten me? Oh God, is there a way back? Is there a way out of all of this? Is there a way back from the dark paths of sin? How many backsliders how many of us have been brought up in the way of the gospel and come to a place and get down into a dark, horrible pit of sin and misery and have turned our back on God and right down into the depths of that pit we've cried, Lord, have you forgotten me? And here's Moses, abandoned as it were by all, forgotten by everyone that he grew up with. But I want to tell you, I want you to listen very carefully tonight. But God remembered. I want you to hear these words, but God remembered. When we look at the Bible, we often read these words, and God remembered. Now, initially you would say, or you would think, or draw the conclusion, but God, who knows everything, how could he forget? Could I tell you something? He doesn't. He knows all things. But we often read these words, and God remembered. And a quick look at that word, you'll understand in the original has a couple of variations. But what it simply means is not like us when we forget. It's not like us when, when Tim has forgot. He genuinely does not remember. Or when we forget something or we forget to do something, we genuinely have forgot to do it. It's not in our memory to remember to do those things, but it's not like that with God. What the Bible is saying to us when God remembers, it's that he brings that thought 
to the foremost part of his mind. That becomes the primary thought of God. It hasn't that he's forgotten it, but it comes at the very point that that is the primary focus of God himself. And not only that, this is the amazing thing about God. God always acts. He always acts on that thought, concerning that thought, on the basis of his covenant, on the basis of the promise that he's made. And so God will act on what he has said. Why am I saying that? Because this whole account in Exodus chapter 3 is all on the basis of God remembering his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He heard the groans of a people that were in bondage. And God remembered his covenant that he'd made, that he would come and deliver his people. That brings us into chapter 3. There's a man at the backside of the desert the forgotten man, but God had remembered. People have forgotten about him. Friends have forgotten about him. Family have forgotten about him. People he worked with have forgotten about him. The church has forgotten about him, but God hasn't forgotten. Here's the man, Moses, at the backside of the desert. The psalmist says he remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. He recited his word. God would bring forth what his covenant was, and he would remember. And then when he remembered, this is the wonderful thing about God, God would act. He acted on the basis of his covenant. And why would God remember you? And why would God remember someone like me? And why would God remember a man at the backside of the wilderness? Why would God do that? Because of his wonderful covenant with Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The grace of God and the mercy of God because God so loved the world on the basis of the blood of Christ tonight. God remembers you. Oh, but you don't know how far. You don't know how deep. You don't know much sin I've committed. I want to tell you, friends, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is able to cleanse the vilest of sinners and set them free. He acts on the basis of the blood of Jesus. For every man and woman and boy and girl and young person in this globe, God knows you and God remembers you. In Isaiah 49... And verse 14, I want you to listen to these words. The Lord, this is what Zion was saying. This is what God's people were saying. The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman, listen now, mums, can a woman forget her sucking child? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Can a woman forget her sucking child? Can she... Can she not have compassion on the son? As, as, and then God says this. Yea, they may forget. In other words, there may be, there may be times, there may be, there may be stories that you hear, tragic stories of a woman abandoning her kids. But on the large, that mother and only mothers know this. There's a bond with those children. There's a bond with that son. She birthed that baby. She brought that son into this world. She nurtured that son. She brought him up. She held him in her arms. There's a special bond between a mother and a son, a mother and a daughter, because that mother has brought that, that life into this world. And so there's a bond they cannot forget. And then there's the odd time we hear of the tragic stories that they do. But this is what the Bible says. 
Yea, they may forget. Is what God says. And I want you to listen tonight. Yet will I not forget thee. This is what God says. I will not forget thee. Behold. I want you to hear this. Behold. I have graven thee. Upon the palms. Of my hands. And thy walls are continually before me. I have graven thee. I have graven thee. On the palms. Of my hand. The forgotten man. God remembered. Those graven hands, those graven marks on the hands. I believe they speak of the nails that were driven through the hands of Jesus Christ. Those marks, those marks in the very palms of the hands of Jesus tonight are an indicator and they're enough for you to do tonight. That there's a hand that is open and it's a nail pierced hand. It's not a fist. But it's a hand that is open and it's a hand of mercy. And it's a hand that remembers because on that hand there's nail, there's nail prints. And it's the nail prints that drove Christ to the cross for you and for me. And he remembers you tonight. He remembers you tonight. And the marks are on his hand as evidence up in heaven. I remember him. I remember her. And there's Moses at the backside of the wilderness. Here he is, the forgotten man, but God hasn't forgotten him. Here he is, the man that has made a mess and turned and run from God. But I want to tell you, friend, but God hasn't forgotten him. Here's a man that's gone to the farthest part that he can possibly go, like Jonah. He's got into the boat and he's went as far as he possibly can. And he's over the edge of the boat and he's into the depths of the ocean and he's into the the fish's belly. And he's now in a place that he says it's like hell. But out of the depths of hell he cries and God remembered him. God remembered him. God remembered him. We have a God that remembers the sinner. We have a God that remembers the backslider. We have a God that remembers the man that's in the depths of sin and in a horrible pit. And we have a God of mercy. A God that will reach down into the depths of a horrible pit and lift a sinner up tonight. Praise the Lord. He remembers. He remembers the forgotten man. And Moses is, is walking that wilderness, minding that flock. Forty years thinking over, you can just imagine the thoughts. You can just imagine in the depths that's going into the very being of Moses himself. And God, God himself comes and appears. And Moses turns to that burning bush that did not burn up. But friends, tonight I want you to listen to the, the forgotten man or woman that knows that God is speaking to you tonight. you got to look at this story and know what you must do. It says that Moses said, now I'll turn aside. In other words, he turned. You know, you have to turn. There has to come a point where you turn. You turn from sin. You turn from the path you're on. You turn from the way of destruction. You turn from off the broad road. You turn from the depths of sin. You must turn. Oh, friend, it'll never work unless you turn. It'll never work unless you turn. And we see the man turned. Oh, that speaks of humility. That speaks of a man that's willing to bow the knee and turn his life over to God. And we see that Moses turned to see. 
And God speaks, and God's speaking tonight, and God's speaking to you, friend. And God says, Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take your shoes off. What's that speaking of? It speaks of it's time to turn, but it's time to repent of your sin. It's time to say, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for the mess I've made. But you got to turn and you got to put it off. you got to get the old coat off of sin. you got to get the garments. you got to get the sin dealt with. you got to get right with God. you got to turn with all your heart to God and cry out for mercy. And there's mercy. There's mercy. Because God has remembered the forgotten man. Friend, unless you turn tonight, you can wander in the wilderness. You can let the enemy work through your mind with all the failure. But tonight, if you're willing to turn and you're willing to boot off, just like we threw that old coat off there, just to throw off the old garments that are stained with sin. There's a garment of righteousness like that prodigal son come back. He had to put off the old garments to get the new ones on. Oh, friend, tonight, if you're willing to turn, if you're willing to turn, are you willing to turn? I want to tell you, friend, tonight, whoever you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, Listen to me. You're the forgotten man. You're the forgotten woman. You're the forgotten young person. But God remembers. God remembers. God remembers. And because of those graven hands, that's enough to tell me tonight. There's a Savior that remembers. There's someone that cares. And if you're willing to turn tonight, turn, turn. Friend, turn. There must be repentance. It won't work. There must be a genuine cry. There must be putting things right. Get rid of the sin. Turn to God. You know, you haven't run from the church. You haven't run from your friends. You've run from God. That's what you've run from. You've run from God. But God remembers. You know, I got a great revelation many years ago. It came to me when I was running from God. Wherever I go, there's two things that are there. I'm there, number one. But number two, God's there. And wherever you are tonight, friend, it might be a simple revelation, but you're there. But I want to tell you something else. God's there. And God can meet you tonight if you're willing to turn and repent. Turn to God. The forgotten man, God remembered. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe there's one tonight, Lord. I do believe you're speaking. Lord, I do believe, Lord, tonight, Lord, that there's a man or a woman or a young person that's listening, Lord, to this gospel message. And I pray, Lord, a backslider, someone that wants walk with you. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, give them the courage, give them the grace, Lord, that they would turn from their sin. They would put off the sin. They would ask for forgiveness. They would be born of the Spirit. They would get right with you tonight, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, we just pray that you would draw them to yourself. Draw them to the one with the nail-pierced hands. Draw them to the one, the man from Calvary. Lord, draw them to Calvary tonight, Lord. Save their precious soul. Restore the backslider. Lord, restore the years the locusts have eaten. You're the great restorer. Oh, God, tonight, Lord, I pray. Lord, that they'd not try to work it out, Lord, but they'd simply cast their lives before you and you'd have mercy tonight because you're abundant in mercy. 
Oh God, we just commit it all to you tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise the Lord. It's lovely to have you with us again tonight. If God's been speaking to your life and uh, you, you know that you want to get right with God or you have even during that prayer, I just want to encourage you tonight. Would you make contact with us in some way? Would you private message the, the Facebook page? If you do have my number, would you text? Would you, would you in some way make contact with us? Would you speak to someone? The days are late. It's time to get right with God. The forgotten man, God's remembered. I just encourage you tonight that you turn to God. Let us know. We can help you in any way. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. God bless everyone. Amen.